You know, a, a hundred years ago, our, our, our sons in our society looked forward to the day when they would inherit their dad's clothes. When they were big enough to fit into a man's clothes. And the, and the styles didn't matter. They just wanted to be in dad's clothes. Dad was the style. Dad was the fashion. But you know, now... Our, our boys, they don't even want to touch our clothes, you know. Not even if they're sliding naked down an icicle, okay? Shouldn't have said that. All right. Most of us dads are, are really not as clueless as you may think. It's not that we don't know fashion, although some of us don't. Some of us do. But it's not that we don't know fashion. It's just that we really, truly don't care. All right? You know, we don't have time to worry about such things. You know, in fact, if that was important to us, we wouldn't be able to wear all the stuff you kids give us for Father's Day. All the crazy ties and the crazy socks and the, of course I do wear the crazy underwear because nobody sees that anyway. And, uh, and I do have some, uh, world's greatest dad's t-shirts that I think I've worn out over the years. So, uh, we all get that stuff and we don't care because we love our kids and we just want to be a good dad. Now, I've got four kids, in case you didn't know, and, uh, they all do crazy things. So I could stand here the rest of this morning and tell you stories about my kids that you might even uh, enjoy. You know, we are, they say that dads are, are uh, we st- now store pictures where we used to store money, you know, our wallets. And uh, so we could talk about our kids and show you pictures of our kids all, the, all day long. And I hear that it's even more incredible when you're a grand, grandpa. So uh, someday that'll probably happen for me, although none of my kids are in a hurry. And that's really good. Now, three of my kids are here today. My youngest is Miles, and uh, I told some stories about him earlier today, and uh, I, I told him already what I was going to say, so he didn't say I couldn't say it. But he is very sensitive to to taste, to flavors. And so he has very particular things that he can eat uh, and that he that he prefers. And he doesn't really trust me to to uh, make anything for him. He, he has something he eats every day. I shouldn't tell you all this, but he has something he eats every day. It's a, a mayonnaise and cheese sandwich. Two of them, actually, for lunch. He takes them to school. He, when, even when he's home, he wants to eat those. And so you may say, oh, my word, and, I, and so do I. But that's what, what he likes. Now, one day I went to the store. I bought one of them 72 packs of cheese. And I got home, and, we, and Shelly says he likes, you know, there's only one kind that he can do, and it's the ones that are stacked, the alternate stacks. Well, I got home and I opened it up and it was the kind with the cellophane, which he can't stand. So I am the dad. I'm going to try to make this work. I just spent, you know, what was it? 12, 15 bucks on a 72 pack of cheese. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to let it go to waste. So I unwrap every single cheese slice and I stack them alternately so that he can't tell the difference. So I make his sandwich that day and, uh, give it to him both of the sandwiches and he eats them and i'm like ah, i fooled him so i went to him afterwards i said miles how was your cheese sandwiches and he's always real sensitive to other people's feelings too he doesn't like to hurt people's feelings he said yeah dad they were good yeah the cheese only made me gag a couple times <laughs> i you cannot fool that kid now miles is also He's also the kind of kid, ever since he was a baby, he's always tolerated dad, loved dad, given me lots of, lots of uh, patience and kindness. But when he, uh, from the time he was born, he, he just preferred mom, like some kids do. Now I have a couple kids who preferred dad, but a couple of them preferred mom. Miles was one of them. And he really, he pretty much thinks mom is, you know, the Lord of all. And she really is to his, in his life and to all our kids. But, um, 
In fact, I owe Shelly, don't I? Because she was up here a few weeks ago on Mother's Day, and she said something. She said I was squishy. <laughs> now, I am squishy here, that's true. But I am not a softy, as uh, many have... Well, my kids say, no, Dad, you're, you are soft. But... Compared to Shelly, okay, I admit, compared to Shelly, I am a, I am the soft one of the two. She is tough. In fact, uh, some friends of our kids uh, refer to Shelly as the overlord. Now, in fact, I think, is Noah here? Noah Murray, I'm going to point him out. He is here today, and he's the one who came up with that. In fact, it was hilarious. He, he would, the kids would say, hey, let's go to the mall or something, and, and then Noah would say, do you need to call the overlord? <laughs> And of course, yes, they did. They needed to let mom know what they were doing. Uh, but what was funny is they kind of kept it a secret for a while and finally leaked out to Shelly and they were, some of them were appalled. I think Noah's mother was like, oh my word, don't tell her that. And we said, no, she took it as a compliment, as you would expect. <laughs> and she really did. So Miles, he, he has been a joy all of our kids have. And as uh, one time he was calling his mother as kids do mom 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 and I, I went to him I said mom is really busy I can take care of you I am your father <laughs> I said I can, I'm big and strong I really am capable I can take care of you son what is it what's the thing what can I do for you right now and he looked at me seriously he's about four years old and he said dad can you go get my mother <laughs> so I did <laughs> uh, I love my my kids. Uh, my son Mason, he's been he's going to be helping out a little bit today, moving things around. But um, one time when he was about six, I think, I went to a men's breakfast, and he tagged along with me as he often did. And, uh, and of course, the men just loved it that he was there. At the end of the breakfast, I think we spent like ten bucks total between the two of us. So I laid down a tip. It was I thought it was two one dollar bills. And we're getting ready to leave. And he goes, Dad, Dad, come here, look, look. I go, yeah, I left a tip. He goes, but look, look. And, they, and one of them wasn't a one, it was a ten. And he went, I went, oh, son, thank you. Yes, yeah, so I changed it out. And, you, know, you saved me nine dollars. Way to go. You know, six years old, he was aware. I'm, I was like, man, this kid knows how to tip already at six years old. Don't don't spend more on the tip than you do on the meal. Well, later in the day, we're at Walmart. And he was a typical kid. He had a Hot Wheel. He had a candy bar. And I'm like, no. And then he went, Dad. Do you remember about seven hours ago when we were eating breakfast? Do you remember? And I, okay, yeah, that was impressive. A six-year-old, he already understood the, the art of negotiation. He got his Hot Wheel and his candy bar that day. Here's something, though, dads. We just want to make sure. We don't limit what God can do in our lives and in our family's lives through us as the fathers. Now, I grew up in a situation where my dad was not home a lot. And then later my parents were divorced. And I can remember after their divorce sitting in church on Father's Day. I hated Father's Day as a teenager because I'd see all the kids with their dads and it would break my heart. And there were so many times I sat alone in towards the back of the church. My mom, she even knew better than to come and try to make up for it. She'd just let me and God kind of work it out. And I remember how, how my heart was broken. There's so many limitations in life. But God wants us to know. He He is the God of limitlessness. And if we just make Him our Father, he, we will see incredible things happen. We can be the kind of dads 
that we need to be for our families. We're going to let the Exalt kids come up right now. We've, we are, we've got a special uh, gift for you dads today. We've got a bunch. Of, it's like more Exalt kids than I even knew we had are here today. And so we're so glad that they're a part of us. They're going to do a special song for us today. And I just want you to think about this. Your influence as fathers is incredible. And we have we can be a hero to our kids, but we can even be a better hero if we put Christ at the center of our lives. Thank you, Exalt Kids. What a great job. And again, wow, we are in a place where we can put God first in our lives and He wants to be our best friend. And we're going to take a look at some scripture today that is just really encompasses that same theme, making God your best friend and what that has, how that has to do with our prayers being answered. Have you been frustrated by prayers that aren't answered? Did you know Jesus gives some direction on how you can have your prayers answered? It's actually not very complicated, but it can be tricky because it has to do with the genuineness of our heart. Let's take a look at Matthew 7 today. We're going to take a look at the first part of that. I'm going to, I'm going to share it all, the whole passage with you, Matthew 7, 7 through 12. And it says to, uh, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And then Jesus says the amazing words, the words that many Royal Rangers and Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts learn early on. The golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. As we take a look, we're going to break this apart little by little today. And uh, just want you to think about these words that Jesus spoke. They're words that we're so familiar with. And so they don't seem revolutionary necessarily because we've heard them a lot. But when you stop and really look at what Jesus is conveying here, what he's communicating to those that he was with that day and to us today, you realize that the the words of Jesus really do revolutionize the way that we live. And you would expect that because Jesus, he knew his time was limited and everything that he taught, every word that he said, every word that was recorded, can make a huge difference, will make a huge difference in our lives. As I said, I was torn by Father's Day when I was a young man, and I hated it. I didn't want to go to church on Father's Day because it broke my heart. There were all kinds of, to me, limitations of how I was going to be able to grow into a man, a man period, and a man of God, who, because my dad didn't serve the Lord till very, very late in life. And so I struggled. And I remember one night praying. I would wake up in the middle of the night all the time. And I would I would just pray, Lord, why has all this happened? Why is my dad not connected to my life? And I didn't understand what I do now. I, I learned much many things later about my dad. He actually became my hero 
before he died because there were things in his life he never shared with us that I didn't know about. And when I found out about him, I'm like, oh my word, all my life, I, I didn't respect my dad, but I should have because he sacrificed a lot but never talked about the sacrifices that he made. But it also is what ate him up inside and made him an alcoholic. And so I was embarrassed to have him as my dad. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? I don't have a dad to show me how to live for you. And I heard him say, well, you have me. I'll be your dad. Not only that, but I had a good mom. And a few, several years later when I was an adult, an adult, I was already married. And we were attending a Promise Keepers event in uh, Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. And I was standing there and the speaker at the end of the conference said, I want you guys, if you're here with your dad, I want you to find your dad and pray for him. And again, I was like, man, I hate this. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, help me to be the man you want me to be. Lord, how am I going to be the man that you want me to be? And he said, look on your right and your left. And I looked. My two big brothers were standing on either side of me at that same conference. And we all began to pray together. We, we, we grabbed each other arm in arm. And we prayed for each other. And we realized all of us felt the same way. That we felt that we had been raised in a, in a single parent home. Even though our dad was around most of our lives. Growing up anyway. It felt like he was not there. Because spiritually he wasn't. But we realized God had given us each other. And we were bound together. Literally as brothers and brothers in Christ. And we realized... We had everything we needed. A mom who cared, plus our sister who loved us. She was the oldest. And my three brothers, my three of us, my two brothers and I, we realized God had given us more than enough to hold each other up and love God and serve God together. Jesus said in these passages, Ask, seek, knock. Was he being repetitive? Or did he have three different things in mind when he was teaching this? And I think... Probably both. He's saying, as you would expect, pray, pray, and pray again. And we see that throughout other other passages in the Word of God. He's urging us to become people with a heart for God, that we such a heart that we never stop bringing our needs, our very lives before Him. Prayer is to be our lifestyle as children of God. It should define us. It identifies us as belonging to Christ. In fact, prayer should be uh, every follower of Christ's very, very breath. It should be just every moment that we breathe, we should be realizing who is our Creator and who is our Savior. Now, maybe Jesus is using these three examples of prayer to specifically illustrate uh, part of the Jewish heritage of praying at least three times a day. Probably was. That was very much their culture. At least three times a day. We see that in other places in the Word of God too, that persistent prayer is incredibly important, that God moves when we have a persistent prayer life. So asking is just to request from God for your wants and needs, kind of like a beggar who has a need and asks. All of us are beggars, aren't we, when we think about how much God has and how Little we have, in fact, we have, we are nothing without him. We should ask as one who is looking for directions, asking for directions. Now, us dads, we're not real good at asking for directions. We know that. But if we ask God for directions, he is sure 
to show us the way every time. So then the next word is seek. Seek is a word, though, that just isn't something that you say. It's something you do. It requires action, like somebody looking for something that they've lost. If you ever lost something that you really wanted to find, you couldn't find it unless you got busy and began to search for it. Seek by prayer. Seeking God by prayer, it really does indicate a heart that desires to know God and to be close to Him. And that's what it means in Matthew 5, 6 when it says, Blessed are those who hunger, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you have a hunger and thirst for what is right? Jesus is teaching here that that's the kind of heart God is looking for in order for Him to move in in answering your prayers. We move on to the word knock. Knocking is like just like seeking in that it requires some action. It, 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 we must add some, some doing to our asking. And when we seek to be near God, we seek actively an answer to our request. And then we must knock. Now it's incredible that we're given access to the Father. In Revelation 3.20, we're told a little bit another side of this knocking idea. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Can you imagine a God who has invited you in? Anytime, knock. And he says, you'll come in. Not only do you get to come in, we're going to sit down and eat. You're going to be his dearest friend if you choose to be. And we see in this passage, Jesus knocks at our door. But in Matthew 7, he's allowing us to knock at his door. Isn't that incredible? God wants us to draw close to him and to be his dearest friend. He's available. All we got to do is knock. These three things are incredible. God is saying, I want want you to ask and keep on asking. I want you to seek with a heart for God. I want you to knock and I'll let you in so that we can be close, as close as as closest friends. Isn't that an incredible attitude God is asking of us? You want your prayers answered? Keep on asking. But make sure your heart is right. Make sure that you're seeking God out of a pure love and hunger and thirst for Him. Now, many say, Pastor Eric, you cannot. You cannot get up and talk in church without doing the professor. So I did bring some items here to try to demonstrate to you. Now, some of I have often said, people have often said, man, I never know what the professor's going to say. And I say, neither do I. So that's, that's why I, you know, I'd rather not do this. But, you know, the kids demand it, so I'm going to give it a go. Now, some of you dads are really known for not knowing how to use a cell phone. So, uh, one of the, one dad I said, I saw he left a, he left a message on his kid's phone. You left your phone at home. I hoped you would get that. <laughs> all right. Some said, oh, produce fire, Pastor Eric. So I have to produce a little fire. This is all I've got. A very defective little lighter. So there's the fire for the day. And if you, if I could produce fire out of my hand, I would. But I don't know how to do that anymore. So... Get the hat on, because again, the kids demand it. Now, I'm going to let this set here, because I do have some work to do. I brought a very tricky trick. And this is where I start to sweat it, because 
You know, in first service, I gave away the answer. So I turned the trick from uh, a really cool trick into magic tricks revealed, which costs more money. So your ticket price did go up. All right. If it happens again. So we will see. Hopefully we can get, I'm going to take a little more care this time to try to get this set up in the right order. I, you know, it's my own problem I created when I decided to do a complicated trick. But I'm committed now, so we're going to try to make this work. All right? Hello there, my name is Professor Egan Hodden, Hodden, Golden Vodden, Eden, Student, Flatten, Flatten, Stinking, Flatten, and I flunk into kindergarten. And I'm here today to try not to flub up everything, but normally I do. So we're going to give it a go. Now, I did hear something. I wanted to, I, I, I was working all night long, and I was worried about where the sun went. And uh, after many, many hours, it dawned on me. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm glad that you like that. Here, let's see if I have enough. Oh, dads, you remember the first time you bought a universal remote? And you said, this changes everything. <laughs> All right, one more. What's the difference between a piano, a tuna, and a, a bottle of glue? All right, I'll tell you. You can tune a piano, but you can't piano a tuna. What about the glue? I knew that that would be a sticking point with some of you. So, all right, all right. I'm going to throw that away because I think that was good enough. Those were some simple laughs, but we're going to try something here. I've got a few different items here. I have some sunflower seeds. Dads like sunflower seeds. I have a golf ball because some dads like golf, and I have in here a stack of giant checkers. We're going to just let these today represent some different things. This will let, this will represent the time that you spend with your family. You like to play checkers and play games with your kids. I hope so. Spend time with your wife and children as much as you possibly can because that will strengthen your relationship with them and with God. You know, God wants to be the God of everything of our lives. Now, we'll let these seeds represent work because you've got to produce some food for your family. You've got to provide. And so we could have put corn kernels in there. That might have been more appropriate. But we put some sunflower seeds because I know that I like sunflower seeds. But you shouldn't uh, spit them in church. So I better not do that. All right. And so, and then we also have the golf that represents your free time, your fun time. So family, work, fun. How do you balance it all out? Well, you must give it to God because it's pretty easy to get things confused. Let me see if I can put that one under there. I want to take these seeds and put them in this can. All right. I'm going to try to get those, make sure. Can you hear them? They're in there. Can you hear them? All right. There's another seed. Get rid of that one. You can eat that later if you get hungry. All right. I got to be careful not to lose the seeds. There we go. Ha, I didn't spill them at all. All right. And now we're going to take and cover this up. Now what happens is very interesting. We try to balance all these things in life and we often not don't do a very good job. Because if I remember right, this one, turned into this one moved over here and I don't know what is in here hang on this is part of the magic hang on there we go I didn't reveal it but I flubbed it up pretty good alright there it is right there alright oh and a few seeds that wasn't supposed to happen but here I'll cover those up there we go and let's see what where did the seeds go there they are right there Alright, so we do mix up things all the time because, and that's because we don't put God first. 
All right. Oh, I got another one. I'm going to show you. I brought a few small nails. Uh, no, not really. I brought some large nails. By the way, I was looking for, I had a, a shopping list this week and I was looking for a manly scarf. They don't make such thing as a manly scarf. But they do make a camouflage bandana. So that was, I was supposed to cover those up, but I need, I need to just do a little bit of maintenance work here. <laughs> Excuse me. Alright. Now, I brought these nails. If I told you I could do something really, really cool and I could balance all of these nails on this one nail, do you think there's like one, two, there's like ten of these, I think. Do you believe me that I can balance all ten of these on one nail if I, if I take the rest of the morning and try to do that? I don't think I can. Well, if I, try a little trick here I'm going to do something and it's just a small little engineering experiment and I'm going to take one nail and then I'm going to uh, interchange these back and forth like this and put a few here and if I go back and forth you can't see this but I if you can't see this I will hold it up here in just a second it only takes me a minute to get this done and then take this one alright oh wait is there one missing oh I don't need that one I need to put that one in the board. I am like Superman, though, by the way. So there you go. All right, here we go. Now we're going to take this little contraption. All right, see what I've done there? I've just interchanged those. And now we're going to see if I can balance it with... I need to move that forward. Where's a stage hand when you need one? All right, here we go. Let's see if we can make this work. All right, we balanced them all. All right. Now, so, but you see, you have to know the trick to get something like that to work, don't you? Well, the trick for balancing your life is putting God first, all right? Well, here I have a bonus one. There's no spiritual, uh, I don't think, I've, I couldn't think of a spiritual indicator for this one, but I did want to show you. Some of you dads have said, I want to spend more time with my family. So we're going to give you a, a lesson on how to cut watermelon quickly. But I'm going to do it slowly so you can watch. All right. First of all, you go to Sam's and you buy one of these. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you're in the gym, you have some watermelon pre-sliced for you. So help yourself if the kids didn't eat it already. It should be in the back back there by the coffee. And so I'm going to take this watermelon and we're going to show you guys in here yeah, to do it. Now, this gets kind of tricky because everything gets risky. All right? I have to get rid of these. Whoops, did you see that? That'll cost you extra. Here we go. See if it works. There we go. Watermelon for everybody. <laughs> well, again... How do you spend your time? Man, that's one of the most precious, precious things that we have in life. In fact, it could be the most precious gift that God has given us. Time to live for Him, to put our family first, to balance all of these things of work and family and fun. But God can help you do it if you'll put Him as number one in your life. There is a warnings though. Jesus, uh, or First Timothy, Paul, he said in First Timothy 5, 8, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Ah, a stern warning. 
But let's move on to this next part of our passage. Jesus said, your heavenly father gives good gifts. These next verses are the same part of the, of the same paragraph, the second part of the same paragraph. And this is where Jesus puts an emphasis on why we can trust God for his very best. He says, your parent, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Jesus decides here to make sure His teaching on prayer is illustrated with a story of the motives of your heart. When you give a gift to somebody, your motives are pure or the gift doesn't have any expression at all that is able to express that love and appreciation. And Jesus was saying that even earthly fathers and mothers who are imperfect and limited and so sinful and, and evil in comparison to an incredible God, if even they know how to give good gifts, then how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now Jesus is, is underlining the importance of, of us trusting an amazing Father for His very best for our lives. Good fathers here on earth want only the best for their children. And we often get mixed up terribly on, on what the best is. Let me give you an example of that. So sometimes we get mixed up terribly on our priorities. Whether you're a dad or a mom or a, a single person, whether you're anyone in this room, don't we? Our priorities must be in order. But Jesus in these passages gives us a way to do that, to have the kind of prayer life that will make a difference, a prayer life that will transform our life, revolutionize our lives. Jesus is saying that with with the kind of goodness our Heavenly Father has, why wouldn't you live a life of prayer? Why wouldn't you live a life of asking and seeking and knocking? Why wouldn't you want everything He has available? He wants to give it. We just need to want it. We just need to want Him. Isn't that the key? Want Him enough. Jesus said, do. There's this incredible line at verse 12, where after everything He's already said about ask, seek, knock, about about fathers who give good gifts, He now says the golden rule, do to others what you would like them to do to you. Why do you think he made this statement right after the previous verses? You know, it's, in fact, I was kind of like, okay, Jesus, what in the world did you put that in there for? What does that have to do with what you just said? But of course, when you know Jesus and when you, you see all that he teaches through the red letters of the Bible, the words that he's spoken, you know it probably has everything to do with it. And it does. Jesus is saying that if we're going to be right with God, we must be right with each other. If we're going to benefit from the close relationship with God that he described in the previous verses, the prayer, the gifts, the answers to prayer, then we must treat others the way we want to be treated. God measures the sincerity of our heart by the interactions that we have with one another. It really does matter. We really do need each other. Jesus is saying that if we want to do what's right, Everything about doing what's right is connected. It's related to a life of prayer. 
a life of prayer that gets results, that is. He's saying that we can't expect our prayers to even be heard if we're not willing to love and serve one another and follow all of his teachings. Isaiah gives a really stern warning of this. And it's uh, he's prophesying from being given words from God himself. And it's the words of God. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. In fact, look at that. He's saying, the animals treat their masters better than you treat me. You're dumber than a donkey. He's saying, my people don't recognize my care for them. How can you not know better than an animal knows? In verse 15 of the same chapter, it says, When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Are you seeing a pattern here? God is saying, do something. Give Learn, seek, defend, fight. I mean, it help. They're all there. Those are do words. Let me tell you a quick story as I conclude. Jesus said this simple rule, do to others what you'd have them to do to you. And he followed it with, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law. It's supported by other statements in the Old and New Testament that say, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus heard this story as a little boy. It was a a kind of a legend. Rabbi Hillel, 75 years or so before Jesus was born, before he lived, there was a dude named Rabbi Hillel who said that, uh, the story goes that he was debating with other philosophers, leading philosophers of the day. And one of the philosophers got so frustrated with the Judaic tradition, all of the Leviticus laws, that he said, Rabbi, if you could just tell me, if you could sum it all up and, and while standing on one foot, if you could do that, I might become a believer in your, in your Jewish tradition. Because he challenged him. He said, there's no way it's so complicated. And Rabbi Hillel stood on one foot and he said these words, don't do what is hateful to your fellow creatures. Don't do what is hateful to your fellow creature. And he summed it up. He said, that sums it up. Now, Jesus, years later, as he's teaching in these, these words of Jesus, like all Jewish kids, he'd heard this story. But he, when he's telling it, he's not quoting it exactly the same, is he? And instead of using the negative, do not do what is hateful, he turned it on its side and he said, do to others as you would have them do to you. He turned life in the Spirit into a positive message. He provokes us not to just sit by avoiding Doing bad things, as the old teaching taught. And he said, get busy doing good things. Get busy doing good things. He said, get up and get involved. As that verse you saw earlier, help, defend, fight. Uh, what was some others? It was awesome. It was get involved, seek. <laughs> Be a part, do something. Rabbi Hillel said, don't do what is hateful to your fellow creature. But Jesus said, do. How do you want to be treated? You want to be treated with love, with kindness, with goodness? Do what is loving and kind and good. 
Jesus was a man of action. And even the commentaries when you study this and other sermons that you find on the golden rule, that one verse itself, Matthew seven twelve, they will say this revolutionized the teaching of the time. And it can revolutionize our lives today too. We need to understand. How do we show a sincerity for God? It's through the way that we love and the way that we serve. Dads, we love out of instinct. But we need to also love with the kind of love that God wants us to to love with. If we will love with that sacrificial love, if we will be uh, sold out to Him and committed to Him, then we're going to see our own kids grow in the Lord the way God intends. If we limit ourselves, dads, any man in the room, any person in the room, if we limit ourselves, we're limiting the people that we influence. And that is a big responsibility. Many of us live by the don't. Don't do this, don't do that. But Jesus said, His revolutionary words say, do. Don't just sit and avoid doing bad, but do what is right. Take action. I just want to, again, remind you, God did an incredible thing in my life when He, when he showed me my brothers, that how godly they were. He, he filled the gap. Every time we think there's a shortcoming in our lives, if we turn our lives complete to, completely to Him with the kind of heart and attitude, that hunger and thirst for righteousness that we are instructed on, when we do that, God will take all the limitations and they will just dissolve away and He will give us everything we need and He will answer our prayers according to His plan for us. Let me pray for you. Would you stand with me? Let me pray today as we wrap things up. We're going to spend some time worshiping God. We're going to spend some time where the prayer areas are all open. And we want you to just take something that God has said to you today with these kind of words. What kind of things do you need to be to be responding to? Obviously, it's not sit and do nothing today. It's Jesus said, do. Do do what is in your heart to do. Do what God wants you to do. Respond to God and He'll respond to you. Isn't it? I still love the passage. He knocks on our door and He says, but you can knock on mine anytime. That's an incredible, incredible God we serve. We are. He is available to us 24-7. He never runs out of time. Father in heaven, I pray right now that you will put in our lives this desire, this hunger and thirst to serve you with all of our heart. I pray, God, that you will just help each one of us as we go into a reflection time, a worship time, God, that you will help us respond to the Holy Spirit today. Lord, we want to persistently pray. Ask, seek, and knock. We want to enter into your presence. We, want, we know that you give only the best gifts. And so we want to receive what you have for us. And we also know, God, that it hinges on how do we live it out? What are we going to do? Help us, Lord, to respond to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.